be an old-fashioned street fight. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We brought the gloves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We got taped up. Yeah. It's the yeah. jam, girl. Yeah. And at the end, boom. Welcome in to another episode of the Short-Haired Dog, home of your 9-1, 7th-ranked Wofford Terriers. I'm your host, Michael Bennett, alongside me, my best friend-slash-brother-slash-co-host, Kevin Bennett. How you doing tonight, KB? I'm doing good, Mike, and i uh, tell you what, really proud of the Terriers after after last weekend. They did exactly what we... I, I think they may have been listening to it, Mike. I think so, too. And, you know, they did a really good job of taking what VMI gave them. Yeah. Uh, now VMI, granted, they're an zero and eleven team. Let's be or, real; they are pretty brutal. They're they're a horrible team, but yeah. we did beat them. And and I think Kevin, you know, this has been a season that has been very, I mean, close game after close game, stress filled, crazy, you name it. That's been the case this year for the Terriers. But to have this week, which was kind of a low pressure situation, and then even the South Carolina game, I know playing in a big time place and all this. But in all reality, the Terriers have nothing to lose. They have everything to gain in this situation. And so to have these two weeks after so many grueling weeks of not only playing, but also, you know, going through these hard situations, these stressful games, to get one that was kind of in hand the whole t the whole way was very refreshing. And, Mike, also we mentioned it that we may see Miller Mosley and Austin McPherson on the field at the same time and doggone if we and, didn't see and, it. and we saw just that and not only How about that? did they score they were going crazy we you I think you mentioned maybe off the air they've got to be boys you yeah. know yeah. it was it was fairly obvious that they are because <laughs> yeah. they were going crazy you know celebrating that McPherson touchdown so uh, but a very good week nonetheless Terriers get another win improved to 9 and 1 on the season Terriers actually tied for 7th uh, in one yeah. of the polls with, with North Carolina A and T, yeah. Uh, so, but the thing, the way that works, I think North Carolina A and T will actually go play in like the Heritage Bowl or yep. something like that. They're not even going to make the playoffs, which is very bizarre. Interesting that a, that a team, you know, who was second or third in one of those conferences could go and make the playoffs and then win the national championship when they weren't even the best team in their conference. Very bizarre, but nonetheless, that's that's where the rankings are this week. The Terriers come in tied for seventh. Um, Mike, you know what? It really makes you think, where would the Terriers be if a freak play there for Tyler Vaughn with his helmet <laughs> coming off and him just falling on the ball? If that doesn't happen, Terriers win that ball game against Sanford. Or, or the offsides. Or the offsides, or whatever it may be. If they, if they win that ball game, it makes you wonder... Are they? A t I think they're in the top three right now. <laughs> but you could also counter that argument. You You're could. exactly right. But you yeah. could also counter that argument and say, "Well, what if all these? What if? Yeah. What if Furman would have got, got that? Would have yeah. got that two What if Mercer wouldn't have collapsed? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you. I mean, it could literally go on all day. But I see exactly what you're saying, and I think the Terriers could very easily be a top four seed yeah. had not for that loss. So, you know, but I, I think a, if the Terriers could could play this game at South Carolina, and and if you guys didn't realize the. The Terriers travel down to williams Bryce Stadium to take on the Gamecocks. Four o'clock kick on SEC Network Alternate. Yep. Say that five times fast. But it will be on ESPN3 if you go in there and look on there. It's usually easier to watch than trying to find the the SEC but Alternate. If I know like on DirecTV, and we're not paid by DirecTV or even endorsing them, but I just know how this works. If you go up one channel at six eleven, it's like six eleven dash one. Yep, you're and you right. can watch it on there. Yep. So it will be nationally televised, nonetheless. Uh, kind of may be hard to find it, but it, it's there, I promise. But the Terriers head down there this week. You know, Kevin, we talked about you know them playing the Gamecocks this week. They've really got nothing to lose. Uh, if they if they go and they you know even if they get blown out, it's not going to affect their rankings at all. They have everything to gain, and like you said, moving up in the in the bracket. Uh, moving up in the in the rankings to to get a better place in that bracket is very possible. Even if they play the South Carolina team tough, who is playing pretty well. Yeah, they are. Well, and it, here's the thing: 
and we were talking about this, you know, we've been talking about it all year. A win for Walford against South Carolina is huge in, I mean, any way you think about it. I mm-hmm. mean, it gets exposure to the program over a, I mean, you beat a big-time SEC, FBS opponent. That's huge for Walford. But you have nothing to lose. They could get beat 50 oh. to nothing, and it doesn't matter because they're not supposed to beat them. On the flip side, that could really mess up South Carolina's season. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be 7-3 and three going into that ball game, coming off of a win over Florida. But this is a trap game because it they is. very well may be looking forward to that Clemson game mm-hmm. the next weekend on the 25th. But, Mike, it's hard, to, hard for me to believe that some of these guys on this team, some of the seniors, Sky Moore, Taylor Stallworth, Chris, Chris Lamont, some of those guys on the, on the Carolina team, they know what a trap game is because they lost to the Citadel just two years ago. Yeah, and, and, and this team, this Walford team, is better than that Citadel team. Yeah, we talk about the advantages that an FBS team has over an FCS team. I, I mean, Walford's depth is clearly probably better than the Citadel's was that year, which is it's something that always comes up as a weakness for an FCS team in these matchups. Um, Walford athletically, I mean, matches up pretty well. They're one of the best athletic teams in the FCS. I know a lot of people may not think that or realize it. But I'm telling you guys, it doesn't take you long to realize what the recruiting has done at Walford. There are some serious athletes on this team, not just at quarterback or or receiver, but all across the board uh, on both of the fronts. I mean, there's going to be – I'm going to be honest with you guys. There's a lot of FBS defensive lines that aren't as good as Walford's. Oh, I would agree. There's no question about that. You take um, Mikael Horton, which he's going to be out with mono, and I know that's kind of that's normally like a six week deal. Yeah, uh, hopefully he, he can come back if we make it. Yeah, far enough. and and maybe and maybe we do, and hopefully hopefully we do because Mikael has had a great year. You take Miles Brown, Tyler Vaughn, and then those run stoppers on the inside. And we're not even get into our all SoCon guys of that defense. I think our they're athletically on our defense is one of the best we've. I, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. It's the best we've ever had. Yeah, and I think that margin where South Carolina's just unbelievably better athletically. I don't think that's necessarily the case this year. Not, I mean, they are, and they've got more of them, but I don't think, I think we've got a lot, a lot of athletes of our own uh, to help that match up a little bit. Now, are we, are we predicting an upset? No, I'm not predicting us to go down there and win, but I will say we're going to play it tough. And like, like we said before, remember the games we've played against South Carolina over the years? Uh, the pitch that got knocked up in the air, you know, as we were driving in to score. And as Ayer said, he was going for two. They were going to win that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, the year with Breitenstein, 2012, another close one where um, I, I think we, we we end up fumbling a couple times. I think they might have even got a pick six. It was sort of crazy. Uh, we collapsed late in the game, a close game, and we collapsed. But, Kevin, this year's different. Every game's been like this. And as we're going to get to in our interview later, talking about, you know, the the 2017 squad, you know, it's just unbelievable to me the way they've been prepared for this for this occasion, for to be on the big stage, to be in a high-pressure situation. Now, granted, this ain't in real pressure. Of course, it would be huge for the Gamecocks to win, and any time it's a close game, there's going to be pressure there. I mean, for the, for the Terriers to um, – the Terriers could pull the upset, and that would be awesome, but it's not necessary – for any playoff implications, they could lose a hundred to nothing in this game and still reach their goal of being the FCS national champs. Absolutely. So you know it's not the real pressure there, but I'm just saying in moving into the playoffs, moving into this game against South Carolina, that being battle tested means something. For you people that are familiar with the Clemson program, last year Clemson did this similar to what the Terriers have done, not quite to the extent but played a lot of close games that really had no business being close. They were clearly the better team. It was A lot of it was by their own doing that they were in these close games, but nonetheless, they played them. And you notice in that national championship game, when it was a close game, the Tigers knew how to get it done. Yeah. And I think this is what you're going to see. What, it's, what it, can these teams in the playoffs throw at the Terriers that they haven't experienced already? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And, and the one thing about playing the teams that we've played, we've seen heavy run teams, we've seen heavy pass teams, we've seen mobile quarterbacks. And, you know, guys, I know a lot of – the SOCON's not getting a lot of respect. And I've actually seen by the rankings, if Furman was to lose this week, they may not even get in. Yeah, me and me and our dad was talking about that. I, if they if they lose, they very well may not and make that's the playoffs. And not, that's not right. I, I, I agree. I mean, they, they've earned a spot in the playoffs in my Because really all three of their losses will be to teams that's in the playoffs. And yeah. then their other losses to NC State and FBS opponents. So I don't see how you can leave Furman out. And, and, I'm, and Lord knows I'm not a Furman fan. 
But, you know, it's just the SOCON plays good ball. Yeah, they do. Re- we really do. Even uh, I was speaking to somebody off the air before before we started this. You know, really, you could line up these other conferences. I know everybody's clamoring about the Missouri Valley and the, what is it, the Ohio Valley and all that stuff. But I guarantee you could line up the four best teams in the SOCON against the four best in the other ones. And I think in most of those cases, they mop the floor with them. I agree. I think they punish them. And yeah. and that just goes to show you the kind of the style of play uh, that's down here in the SOCON. Physical teams, teams that are going to hit you in the mouth, run past you, X, Y, and Z. They're going to cover all the bases. And I just think this has prepared us for this run, that that is that this potential run that we have ahead of us. Well, people were under the impression with Georgia Southern App State jump ship, they were like, oh, well, the SoCon will be down. It's just it's just Walford and that's it. And then Elon at the time. Then when Elon left, they were like, oh, well, SoCon's going to be nothing. I would argue that it's just as tough now yeah. than it ever was with Georgia with Georgia Southern and App State. And that's the thing. I don't think we have the big names nationally that we once had. Now, yeah. if App State and... And uh, Georgia Southern was still in here. Walford would be like, people would be bowing down to him if they had this record, just yeah. for the name's sake. But I don't think these people, these so-called experts, realized what they were getting with these programs. I mean, Mercer's a new program. I mean, I don't know if you guys have, have looked into that at all, but Mercer, you know, with, with Bobby Lamb being their coach, doing a fantastic job, by the way, they sell out almost every game. Yeah. I mean, they care about football down there in, in Macon. And you got ETSU, a program that's getting better. Sanford. That is, I mean, is consistently good every single year. And then Western Carolina, a team that was dead to rights back when those teams were in, is now on the rebound. And I think, I think actually, um, Western's coach might have been a former Appalachian State assistant, if I'm not mistaken. So he knows that pedigree. But, but nonetheless, top to bottom, I think the SoCon is better. Well, I, think, I don't, I don't see how you can argue that. Well, think about it. I mean, back when Georgia Southern and App State were in it, every year you could count on three teams being at the top there for. Seven or eight years, you could say it's going to be either Georgia Southern, App State, or Walford. It's going to be one of those three. Then you had maybe two decent teams, and everybody yeah. else were awful. Yeah. This year is completely different. You have Walford at the top and Furman. Then you have a bunch of teams that could beat anybody, anybody other than VMI. And they then can't VMI beat anybody at the bottom. And yeah. East Tennessee State's even got where they're halfway remotely decent. So, and this I mean, is like they didn't have a program for several years. Right. They're just new back. I think what is this? They're Maybe their third year. This yeah. is their second year of playing football in the SoCon, but their third year back playing football. So that just goes to show you the SoCon plays good ball. Getting back to the what you talked about with Georgia Southern and Appalachian State, back in the day, basically, I'm going to give it to you, basically just as straight as I can give it to you, pretty much nobody could consistently beat Georgia Southern except for us. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but Appalachian State – would beat us. Could beat us. Could beat yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. Which is very... And then Georgia Southern App State would beat up on each other. Like, yeah. It was, a, it was such a, very, a weird... Yeah. It was a very bizarre thing. So but there was a lot of three-way ties um, that, that happened over those years. But the reason being was that Appalachian State... Um, could beat us. Could beat us. We could beat Georgia Southern. And then Georgia Southern would beat App State. It's exactly. Just, just, That's how it yeah. used to go. And people have kind of forgotten about that since they've been gone. But... You know, those were those were some fun days, and that and you know, these are teams that for years, I mean, eighties, nineties, even back seventies, these teams were big time national programs, and Walford was not that. Just become Division One in what nineteen ninety seven? Yeah. So at that point, they'd been they'd only been a Division One team for ten years or less, and yeah. they were still right there in the in the thick of things. So. You know, I, I've said this before. I, I actually mentioned this today speaking with somebody. To me, Walford football is the best-kept secret yep. in, around in FCS football and one of the one of the most best-kept secrets in all of college football. Total enrollment, what, 1,500 or less? Or less. Yeah. I don't know how many it's up to at this point, but not a big school whatsoever. Uh, got the owner of the Carolina Panthers, just built you a brand-new basketball arena, which, by the way, if you have the chance – if you've not been to the arena yet, you need to go. I went Sunday for the Washington and Lee game. Um, Terriers, of course, just cruised to that win, but the pictures wouldn't do it justice, Kevin. Yeah, I got to get It's there. bright. It's beautiful. The lights just – I mean, it's it's like watching a Broadway play on TV. It's just not like being there in the – it's not like being there, you know? Yeah. And it's just 
Oh my gosh. I mean, for the whole first half, Kevin, I wasn't even paying attention. You're just looking around. I was in awe. When I walked in, I said, I was like giddy. I couldn't <laughs> believe, I was like, my friend Charlie, I, I was I was sat with him, of course, and I was looking, I was like, my gosh, I've never seen something so beautiful in my life. And he was like, this is one of the nicest places I've ever been. And I was like, it, I mean, it smelled good, Kevin. It felt good in there. It wasn't all hot and stuffy like the Benjo was. Yeah. Oh, it was it was wonderful. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It is a beautiful, it's a palace. I'm going to have to get in there soon. I, I just, I struggled with it because I thought about going. When you mentioned it, it entered my mind. I was like, I need to go to this. But then that Sunday nap came up and I was like, ooh, I know yeah. how much I look forward to it. And I, it's just like, and you know this, if you don't get your Sunday nap, it's like your your body's just That's true. not functioning well. So I took it because I knew I had to be up very early, around 6.15 on Monday morning. So I went ahead Got my nap in and uh, didn't go to the game, but I'm going to have to go, especially after reading all the reviews. I mean, we watched the Carolina Walford basketball game the other night, and those because we couldn't get in, yeah. Because otherwise, I would have paid two hundred dollars yeah. for a ticket. And but. those reporters were just raving about oh, how yeah. just state of the art, how beautiful it was. They were saying, although Carolina won the game, Walford won with this arena. They <laughs> yeah. said everyone in South Carolina wins. Like they were, <laughs> yeah. they I were mean, really pumping it yeah. up. So, and I can't wait to to see it in person myself. And then Kevin, after all of that, it it exceeded my expectations. Yeah. After hearing all that, I thought this is better than anything they could have. You can't. What I'm saying, to you guys can't. Describe to you how awesome this is, really. Maybe I'm just over-exaggerating, but I'm telling you. When you go, you'll see. And I recommend you go to a game that doesn't matter. Yeah. You need to go <laughs> see them play Johnson & Wales at cooking school. You need to go see them play them. Okay. But don't go see them play Mercer be your first game or, or Chattanooga or somebody. You need to go when it doesn't matter because the whole first half, you're not going to pay attention, I promise. You're yeah. just going to be looking at the video screens, which, by the way, the video screens are like literally an inch thick. Really? Yes. <laughs> like I was sitting under one, and I was like, well, "How in the world is it that thin?" But anyway, yeah, you got to check that out. I'm definitely going to. And but, like you know, getting into that game, I was able to the as always the the Walford Terrier, uh, the Terrier Vision people, the Walford you know social media people put up the half game or the half game the halftime ceremony for the football team as they were awarded their 2017 SoCon Champion Trophy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was a good, it was a good, you know, recognition of the team. Oh, yeah. And uh, really let everyone in the stands, you know, let them know how proud of, they were of them. And Lord knows we're as proud as, as anybody oh, of man. these guys, what, they, what they've done, fighting through these, although they've, they've took some years off of our life <laughs> this year. Yeah. But it's like we've said so many times. They're ready for whatever comes their way. Absolutely, and and they're gonna. There's still some tough tests coming up. And I guarantee you, when the playoffs come, there's gonna be some close games. But this team has been through it already this season, and it makes you feel like, you know, the way that they've won these games is is it just destiny? Is this what is this? I know. I know is this what is supposed to happen? Is yeah. It, find a way to win. And and um, just when you thought they couldn't top last year's stories, yeah, I mean, from the I mean, Michael Roach to John Patterson to the. The injuries to the quarterbacks. I mean, we're down to what our fourth guy in the, in the playoff game. It's almost like as if they've topped it even better because n- now they've not had quite the stories uh, off the field and and with the injuries and all. But as far as the gameplay, I mean, my goodness, can I, I mean that's what I get back to my point of saying this is the best kept secret around. Yeah, the whole Walford athletic program is in my right. opinion, especially football and men's basketball. And I know we got probably got a, a mom listening to this and saying, well, what about the women's sports? Well. You know, we care. We care. Yeah, yeah. we care. I mean, they, they they matter just like just like the men's sports. Of course, they just don't get as near the recognition. Don't have near the scholarships and and you know. Although I just, believe the women's basketball team's on the up and up. I'm telling you, the guy I, I was at Anderson to see that guy work. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> considering who they had on their squad, they literally, Kevin. I swear, I promise, they beat Clemson one night in yeah, Anderson. I was there <laughs> to see it. They beat Clemson. So. It just goes to show you, you know, things are only up and up for the Terriers. And now you get to show them these facilities, which anything the Panthers train in is going to be nice. So you check football off the list. Russell C. King Field, isn't that the name of it? The, yep. the baseball. We were going always, to baseball camp when they were building. Yeah, building it's always been state of the art. I mean, yeah. and then you, you, you take um, the soccer team. Playing at Snyder Field is not a joke. No. Like compared to the other soccer fields around this area, it's the nicest around yeah. yeah i know it's kind of our football field reject we're like oh forget about that 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 old place but for a soccer stadium 
That yeah. thing's nice. And Mike, you mentioned all of this and getting back to the to the indoor stadium. Not only does this obviously help basketball recruiting, it helps every sport. Oh yeah. Because you take a football recruit, you take some stud linebacker recruit <laughs> and bring him They're over here that. and be like, Look at what we got here. Yeah. I mean, you can come in here and hang out. I mean, I mean, it's come to the basketball games. This is state of the art. This is what we have everywhere. Look at all these facilities. This is what this is what oh, Walford yeah. has to offer. And Absolutely. I mean, not like I said, not only is it big for just Walford basketball, it's big, big for, for Walford, the school, Walford mm-hmm. College, you know, in general. Absolutely. And I mean, Jerry Richardson, you could tell he was when he saw everything in place. The he other was, night, he was taken back at really how everything shook out because you know he wants it, he wants it done like he wants it done. Oh yeah, and I, you could tell by looking at him that's a, that's exactly what he had envisioned. Absolutely, when he when they were setting the blueprints for the for the indoor stadium and yeah. what a beautiful what a beautiful arena and just you know atmosphere that it oh, is. Oh man, it is. And then the volleyball team's got a separate gym they play. <laughs> I know, in, which is cheese. <laughs> my goodness, it's just it's unbelievable, really, to see what they they've accomplished. Now, Mike. Just kind of give a review. Um, if you're just now joining us, Terriers getting a 45 to 14 win over VMI this last weekend to improve to nine and one on the season, and clinch the automatic bid into the 2017 FCS playoffs, as well as at least a share of the SoCon I, tournament. Don't you can't say that tournament SoCon championship. Now listen, that's what I was going to get into. Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right. Now don't jump on me. Okay, I got well, it. hey, hey, don't say share. We're the champs. Look, I understand it. Okay. This is what I'm going to say. We both know we're not Furman fans. Go Sanford this weekend. Please beat them. But here's the thing, okay? When there's two teams tied at the top, mm-hmm. you know, like it's gonna probably going to be with Furman and Walford, wouldn't you take the head-to-head? If, they, if there's a head-to-head matchup, whoever wins, they should be outright champions. Am I wrong? And insinuating no, this, that's that. I mean, now, that, that's true in not just sports, but life too. Yeah, I mean, now you mentioned the three-way ties. If it was a three-way tie between Walford, Georgia Southern, and App State, then Lord knows who knows what the tiebreaker is. That's yeah. fine. And even if it, I mean, I don't see giving anybody not. I mean, holding people out of getting a ring off of defensive points, yeah, or whatever I mean, they, whatever yeah. is the deciding factor. But considering the head-to-head matchup is there, it's just two teams. Walford is the outright champion. I yeah. hate this share deal. That's stupid. So you're going to give them a ring for being second? I mean, yeah. which Congratulations, is what you tied with the team that you lost to. I mean, that's dumb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not that's not how it works. It's basically like in life. Like, let's say a girl decides, okay, she's got all these guys she could date, but she's down to the last two guys. Yeah. And she likes one clearly better than the other, and it's not even close. I mean, they – Maybe it is close. Maybe it's just a one point <laughs> deal, like like Urban and Walford was. Yeah. Maybe but that guy went for it. Right maybe that guy the went end, for it right there at the end, but he oh, it so slipped close. out of his grips. He getting he couldn't get it. He maybe tried some trickery. Uh, he, and he, he threw out some things that she was not expecting. <laughs> so so maybe that's what happened. But anyway, if she likes him better. He's the better one. She's yeah. rolling with him. She's not taking both of them down. The, she's not marrying both of them, is she? Not not in this state. No, that's not happening. No. So she's got to pick one. You go with the one that's better, right? You would say. So yeah. we get the automatic automatic bid. We're the champs. We're the champs. Okay. Yeah, so give the, us give us the ring. Give us the trophy. Furman, y'all. Good luck in the playoffs if you make it. And then they're like, well, well, you shouldn't have lost to Sanford. Well, we beat Sanford, and but we beat y'all. Okay, so that takes it all out of the out of the the argument there. The head to head belongs to the Terriers, so we're the champs. Congratulations, Terriers, 2017, SoCon champs. Now, side note, I know I've kind of been hard on Furman. I do want to say I have been impressed with what they've done this season. Oh, they've been they've no been doubt very about good. It. They really scared me that first game because, <laughs> um, like, when I made that statement that they may may have threw out something we weren't expecting, that's exactly what Furman did. Absolutely, we were not expecting that. And and we did give them some credit in that they should not if they lose Saturday, they should still be in that playoffs. Yeah, twenty four yeah. teams get in. Furman is one of the best twenty four teams in FCS. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, and and they they have the resume to get into. Doubt they'll get the respect, but I don't care. They deserve to be in that playoff. But um, getting back to it, you know, the Terriers, just an unbelievable season. Unbelievable. I mean, you said it this weekend, traveling to Williams-Brice to take on the 7-3 and South Carolina Gamecocks. Mike, I was thinking about this as we were talking about it earlier. You know, back in the past, you know, when Carolina did lose to the Citadel, the, infa- the, the famous Citadel loss, um, you know, they may go back and look at some of that film to try and prepare for Walford, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, 
they're completely, they say the triple option, this is a completely different offense than what the Citadel ran at Carolina two years ago. Oh, absolutely. They had that one white fullback that they ran the entire game. Now, Walford has done that in the past. Yeah, they've Tyler, given, Tyler Renew. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. given it to Breitenstein every play. They've done it before. Yeah. They're not going to do that this year. No. They have four or five different backs, including the quarterbacks, that's going to go out there, and you're going to see different schemes. You're going to see them throw the ball. Yeah, and, and our receiving core, I mean – like like you said before, the best we've ever had. Yeah, I mean from top to bottom. I mean even Blake Morgan as a receiver. I mean yeah. you take that into account. That's that's big time. Along with our tight ends, like you said, Kevin, this isn't the your traditional military school type, you know, Army Navy type offense. This is a lot more multiple. It is, and Brandon Goodson has added a dimension to this offense where they've not been able to successfully pass the ball. With you know, with the success that they have this year. That I ever, ever remember. Ever. And I know a lot of people say, well, such and such was a good passer. No, I'm telling you. Nobody is has between Goodson's ability to be accurate. And I know he misses guys. Heck, everybody misses guys. Yeah. Lord you, knows Jake Bentley does. Uh, you know, I, th- I believe we're going to see it this weekend. Well, you know, everybody misses one. So, misses a few. But Goodson is a much better passer than anybody we've had. And, and Mike, you, you, put, you take, put him with the receivers we've got. It's it's incredible. One thing I've really been impressed with with Goodson this year is his elusiveness in the pocket. Oh yeah, like like the the Citadel game when he threw that one to Jason, the long pass to Jason Hill. For him to just do that spin move, I mean that is yeah. elusiveness that you can't coach. Yeah, it was and, excellent, uh, and that's just God given talent. And it's and just it's just poise. It is to be able He's to make that poised. move and not freak out. You know, oh crap, am I going to screw up? To have the poise to make that move and then look for his man deep down the field. I mean, great job by Brandon. And that's the reason why he has been the commander-in-chief mm-hmm. on that offense all year is his composure. He's ne- He never looks rattled, no. ever. He always looks exactly the same, like, I got this. This is, I mean, this is my offense. And yeah. even when we've seen Joe Newman, his number one fan on the sideline has been Brandon Right, and, and that's what you need from a, from a veteran quarterback, somebody that, you know, has, has earned his stripes and – but, you know, Kevin, I, I, I'm bringing it up even more so now after seeing it the last couple of weeks. I know we alluded to it in previous episodes, but we got to see both of these guys. And I think we're going to this week. Goodson is not, is not great at running the option. He's not, very, he's not extremely fast. He's not your prototypical Walford option quarterback. No. But that has, that has played into Walford's favor this year because, yeah, because of what a great passer he is. Defense, defenses don't know what to expect right. because he can come out there and sling it all over the field like he did against the Citadel. And then, if you think that's what he's going to do, he'll, he'll run it on he'll you. He'll run it on you. Yeah, and and that's that's the same is true of Newman. Newman is much better a runner. He's more of your prototypical Wofford scat fast quarterback. And but passing, he's not he's not quite there up to Goodson's part. But he's another one. If everybody's saying, "Oh, look at run, 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 load the box," Newman can throw it a little bit too. He actually threw one this week, I think, for a, for a deep play as well. So, you know, like you said, we got to have both of these guys. We got to have both of these guys in here. They both bring so much to the table. I don't see how you can play one and not the other. I think we're going to see both. And I, I told our dad this uh, when I was at his office yesterday. I think I think we're going to see some Joe Newman. I think we're going to see obviously Brandon a lot of Brandon Goodson. But I think we're going to throw some stuff at Carolina that they're not expecting. Obviously. Yeah. Well, what do you um, got to lose? You have nothing to lose. Yeah. I mean, it. If you like we said, you can lose seventy five to nothing, and it doesn't amount to a hill no, of beans because you're gonna they're gonna stay right where they are right where they are in the rankings, and if it's competitive, they very well may move up despite a loss. That's true because um, you're just showcasing what you have. And yeah, I, I guarantee you, whoever and when the Terriers get in the playoffs, whoever that draws Walford in the first round are gonna be like. Rap. They're gonna be, they're gonna have to pack their lunch and be ready yeah. to play. It's gonna be an all out dog fight. Oh yeah. So they better get ready for it because the terriers aren't gonna come in there and lay down. And like like we've said all this whole episode, Walford is prepared for this playoff atmosphere. Yeah. This is nothing that's gonna. They've done this week in and week out. Every game seemed close. And guys, we know it's frustrating. I'll first just say it. Sometimes I mean it is. I think I have some gray hair, don't I, Kevin? I mean it's. Yeah. I mean it's it's tough. I mean, I, I know you've. It might have cost you to look, lose some hair. Maybe. I mean, you Maybe. know, it's just been one of those years. But <laughs> you know, we are prepared. Yeah. And I do trust our guys. You know, and I think we're going to do big things this year. I do too. Well, Mike, it's now time in the episode. You teased a little bit earlier, but we have an interview. We have a, our second ever interview here on the Short Hair Dog. And man, it was a good one. We recorded it before before uh, we're recording here tonight. And man, 
it was an absolute gem of an interview. Uh, Mike, kind of give an introduction, and then we'll we'll get right into it. We're gonna have Ross Taylor on to uh, talk to talk about uh, how he's connected to the Walford program. We're gonna let you. I'm gonna tell you who he is. You may not be familiar with Ross Taylor. Some of you obviously probably are, but he's gonna tell you in the interview who he is, how he's connected to Walford, and uh, kind of give his thoughts on the uh, 2017 season and looking forward to the playoffs. You're really gonna enjoy this. Once again, this is Ross Taylor. Our guest today on the short-haired dog is Ross Taylor. Uh, Ross, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing well. I'm here with Kevin as well. He's going to help me interviewing Ross today. Ross, for some of the people that don't uh, know who you are, uh, how are you affiliated with the Walford football program? Well, I am um, R.J. Taylor, who's number 19. Uh, he's a receiver for Walford, a senior this year. I'm actually his father. And I'm a participant on the uh, Terrier fans uh, website. Uh, you'll see me as uh, 19 or Terrier 19. So I post on there. And, um, you know, before we get the interview going, I want to make sure that I let you know that how much we appreciate this this podcast and your all's efforts of, of pushing the brand, talking about Wofford, uh, putting in in the social media airspace and really giving Wofford an opportunity to be seen by more people than um, than it has been in the past. We really appreciate you guys. We appreciate that. That that means a lot. That that pushes us to do it. That's for sure. Um, Ross, now you mentioned you were the father of of, of R.J. Taylor, senior wide receiver for the Terriers. Um, you know, I'm sure as most fathers are, you were. I'm sure you were in the recruiting process when R.J. was being recruited. Uh, when was the when was the first time you were exposed to Walford, or how were you and your family and R.J. Uh, first, you know, introduced to the to the Walford football program? That, that's a really good question. Okay, so our high school, or our my son's high school coach named Mike Harmon had a, a good relationship with Nathan Fuquay, um, who was the recruiting coordinator and was the recruiter for our region uh, for Wofford. Um, and that relationship, uh, Wofford was um, was, all, was had shown interest in RJ early on in the recruiting process, but I think the original thought was that RJ was going to go the FBS route. So the contact kind of died out. Um, and I can tell you some funny stories about the recruiting trail, but I will tell you this. Um, this is what kind of made the mark for Wofford and what really showed me um, and our family how serious Wofford is, and, and, and it really has rung true. RJ was really due to commit to Western Kentucky University, and there was a commitment that they had asked of, of RJ uh, to commit, um, but we didn't make the engagement. And because of that, Western pulled back from their recruitment. Well, when Wofford found that out, that following Monday, um, Nathan Fuquay was in, in, in contact with us and said, hey, we want to show you that you're a priority. Um, can can we meet? So he came down and met with us. And I think it was the the next, either that Thursday or Friday, the entire coaching staff was in our living room. And I look up, and there's Coach Ayers, there's Coach Fuquay, there's Shadon Brown, there's Freddie Brown, um, and they, and Coach Ayers was really direct, and he said, "This is this is not easy. It's, it's going to be a challenge. I can't promise you um, playing time, but what I can promise you is that your son's going to come back a man." And he said, um, "We raise citizens at, at uh, productive citizens at Walford." And if you're up to the challenge, it's going to be tough in the classroom. It's going to be tough on the on the field. But at the end of it all, you're going to be a proud Wofford man, and you're going to be a better person because of it. And at the end of that meeting, I was waving my hand, looking to see if I had any uh, eligibility left. <laughs> um, so I mean, and then what they they set up a time for us to come down in the uh, like January, February, and when we, to which we came down, and RJ committed then. Um, but it was um, a, a, just a great experience with, with um, Nathan Fuquay was the, the folk the, the, at the very start of it, and then Coach Ayers was the closer, I guess, <laughs> closed the deal. So. Well, uh, well, Ross, I, I had a follow-up question there to that, but you kind of answered it. What I was going to say was, uh, you know, Western Kentucky and Walford are two really completely different offenses. Western Kentucky is kind of that more air raid offense. I know they've been in the, <laughs> in the past five or six years. They've really thrown it around and got the receivers involved. and. As we all know, the the Walford offense is 
you got to be a good blocker if you want to you want to play out there on the outside. But my question was, you know, did y'all have any did y'all have any conversations? You know, you know, there's a big difference between those two style of offenses. I mean, obviously, I'm yeah. sure y'all y'all discussed it. RJ went into it knowing that he was going to need to to block, and when he got the opportunity to catch the ball, he would he would have to catch it. But you know, it sounds it sounds like to me just the in home presence of the you know the entire coaching staff and you know really really instilling in you guys being RJ's family and in RJ as well that he's going to come back a man and you know you know be taught well and come back and and really be a, a excellent part of of society. Yeah, go, that's, that's, you bring up some really good stuff there. So as a family. Obviously, RJ was recruited both as a defensive back and a receiver by multiple schools, so we didn't know which way he was going to go. <clears throat> but but the, the the pitch from Wofford was that they really wanted to open up the offense some. <laughs> Let's just say some. But the, the idea was that they had always recruited uh, bigger receivers that were more conditioned for blocking, but at that point in time, they were trying to go in a different direction. They, at the time, they recruited RJ. They were recruiting Bryce Motes. And they were recruiting uh, a receiver named Alencio Graham, who committed to us. I think he flipped to us from the Citadel, and then he wound up flipping again to Furman. But the, all three of those receivers were quicker, playmaking-type receivers, and I think that the idea was that they were going to adjust the offense. At least that was the original plan, I think. Uh, at least that's that's what we envisioned. Um, but at the end of the day, as a family, when, you, when you're going through the recruiting process, you have to look at things realistically. The pros are a small, small percentage of people. And what you should be thinking about, at least the way we looked at it, is what's going to prepare RJ for, for life? What's, what's going to be his best preparation? And for me, him going away five hours, I needed to trust where he was going and how he was going to come back. And that was really what sold us on the whole thing at Wofford. Well, obviously, R.J.'s had a very good career for himself. I mean, my goodness, he's one of the most successful receivers I believe we've had in, in recent memory. Out of all of R.J.'s games at Wofford, which one do you think has been his best? Or or maybe what game has stood out to you? Maybe a game that's had the best environment? Which one to you has, has stood out in R.J.'s career at Wofford that, that really, uh, you know, comes to mind when you think about his career? Uh, specifically for RJ, if, if, if I was just going to say just as a player, um, I think that, that Citadel game, it wasn't a good game for us as a team, but I remember RJ making three of the most just crazy catches, you know, just one was an over the shoulder dive to the corner. And then another one was a fourth and long that he had, he had a guy draped all over him made a catch. And it was just a really, it was like six catches for 97 yards or something like that. And it was a really good game. I think it was his first official start, uh, at Wofford. Um, and that's that, you know, individual, that part. But, you know, I'm proud every day that, that he suits up in uniform and, uh, watching these boys go out and battle. Um, you know, I'm proud literally every single game I have the same feeling. <laughs> well, uh, you know, kind of a follow up question on that. Kind of, uh, you know, you said you like, you know, you're proud of the entire team. Well, I know you you go to most of the games like like me and Michael do as well. What's the what's the game since you've been going to the Walford games that you know that's had the best environment where you've had you've had the best time where you that's been the game where you've been on the edge of your seat really getting into it. What's the what's the best overall game experience since you've been you know following Walford football? Well, as you guys know, every game this year we've been on the edge of our seats. So, <laughs> yeah, that's so that's, but um, I think if you if, to talk about one specific game, the Citadel game that we won on a goal line stand uh, when they had the big quarterback. I think it was. Let's see, it had to be two years ago. I get no, was it? Yeah, or last year. Um, where we stopped them at the at the goal line. No, it had to be like at least two years ago. Where we stopped them at the like the one inch line, where I mean, it was just you couldn't tell who what happened. You know, the guy, the quarterback dropped back and he you know ran through the middle and it was just a big pile up and he didn't make it. Everybody screaming and going crazy and we we wound up with the, the good result. So that was one game definitely that I can I love the environment. Yeah, that that was incredible. I think that game was actually in 2015. That was a yeah, amazing right. game. We've had some great games with the Citadel. I was actually there for RJ's breakout game in 2016 as well, and some of them should have been picks. And RJ just went up and, <laughs> and made plays on the ball. And hey, that's that's what they recruited him for. Like you said, they're trying to 
change their style a little bit. And, you know, certainly we've seen a difference in the style a little bit this year, uh, a lot more passing than we've seen, at least in our lifetime. Um, what are your thoughts on the t- 2017 season? And, and as you look towards the playoffs, you know, what are your thoughts uh, headed towards the, the big dance, if you will? I couldn't be prouder um, of this group and this program. When we committed, the class that we were a part of, I knew, um, or, or, and we as parents felt that we had a special group. Um, we were with uh, Michael Roach. We were with John Patterson, Colton Clemens, Ross Demmel. I mean, we had a group that we felt were, were winners. And if given the right time, would this would turn into a championship caliber team, and that's and that's what's happened. This team in particular, I don't think um, we could be any prouder. They've showed heart, passion. Um, they've proven their medal time and time again. They've shown how tight of a brotherhood they are by picking each other up. A guy will make a mistake. Someone comes right behind and makes the play. Um, I don't think we as Wofford fans could be any more fulfilled or satisfied in this in this uh, in this season. Nine and one in the Southern Conference, um, where there's no givens on any night out. Um, it's it's just a it's been just such a satisfying and fulfilling experience. Like the, a true cap to a career for RJ and for me as a parent to watch this whole arc go. It, it's just been it's hard to explain. I was there at Tennessee State, watched Michael Roach basically die on the field. And we were all just our hearts in our throats, and we were crying in tears because it's like family. That's RJ's roommate, one of RJ's roommates. And then his, one of his other roommates, John Patterson, breaks his neck, you know, or, or a vertebrae. Now think about this. How good yeah. would that defense be this year with Michael Roach and John Patterson mixed into wow. the depth of that defense already? It'd be, it'd be unbelievable for sure. <laughs> you know, so – but going towards the playoffs – Going towards the playoffs, I don't think that there's a team in the country more prepared for the playoffs than Wofford. What team has had as many one-possession, close, tight-knit ball games? We just don't flinch. Wofford does not flinch. We don't bat an eye in those crucial moments when people tend to get outside the comfort zone and do things that aren't, you know, winning plays. We make those plays, and, and nine times out of ten, literally. We've done that. And to me, if the officials, and I hate to blame games on the officials, if the officials were not asleep at the wheel, it would be uh, Sanford as well. But we won't cry over spilled milk. But I think in the playoffs <laughs> that we're prepared for any and every, uh, any and everybody, and I'm really excited about what can, what can happen. Yeah, we're, we're really excited too. Talking about the uh... – the South, the, you know, we play South Carolina this week. What do, what do you think about the uh, Terriers matchup with the Gamecocks this weekend? Uh, these, these these matchups are tough. You know, um, there is a difference between FCS and FBS teams. You know, there, there just is. The scholarship allotment uh, lends to different types of depth, um, and there's some phenomenal athletes in the SEC in general. It's big-time football. That being said, I'm not going to bet against my boys against anyone i love who i love who we are i love uh our fight our grit and i'll tell you this if this game is a one score game or the close ball game in the fourth quarter i know who i think is going to pull out the win (laughs) so south carolina better you know handle business in the first three quarters is all i can say because if it comes down to the fourth and it's a close ball game i feel good about where we're at yeah I've, i've said it the whole time that if this is a this is a close game late in the fourth quarter. The Gamecocks are in trouble. <laughs> I sure hope so. I sure, but, but really, at the end of the day, I want us to be competitive. I want us to get healthy. Um, however, we have to do to get healthy for the playoffs, because at the end of the day, our task is to go win this national championship in the FCS. Um, I mean, an FBS uh, win would be fantastic. Something to celebrate. It would be a crowning achievement for this class. But – our job is to go uh, make a deep run in this FCS and see what we, what can happen. And I think we can. I agree. I think we can, too. And if you're just now joining us, we're with Ross Taylor, the father of Walford senior wide receiver, R.J. Taylor. Um, Ross, we got one final question for you. And uh, I'm sure you listened to the to the Michael Hobbs interview. Me and Michael were, were discussing it before we, before we uh, got on the interview with you here. 
We wanted to know if you if you had a story to rival that one of, of Michael Hobbs. You know, obviously he was uh, in the program, around the program more, and he had that funny, you know, karate story and the one with him demolishing that, that wooden box before the game. But do you have do you have any stories, you know, regarding Walford football or anything associated with Walford football, uh, any funny stories that you'd like to, to share with our listeners? I, well, I don't have I don't have the funny story per se, um, but I just want to I want to convey this. There's not a more special program, group of young men, group of families in the country. Uh, and if you're a fan of Wofford football, I've gotten to or gotten to know these young men um, personally outside of the field. And there's so many things that people have no idea about. These young men battle injuries. These young men are, are hours and hours away from home oftentimes. And the grit and the fight that they show should make every Wofford uh, fan so proud because they represent you on and off the field. I saw a report just two days ago where Wofford is number one in the conference and graduation success rate at 97%. That's getting it done in the classroom. They've won a Southern Conference championship. That's getting it done on the field. These young men do it in the community, um, and I like I just can't tell you how much all these kids mean when you go and you spend some time with them. When I go to a game and I go back to the dorm room and I'm with all the guys, it's just a special group. There's there's it's such a crazy world right now with political things that are so crazy and and the world's at such stress points, you know. But when you get to see these young men from all walks of life and they're so tight, it's a true brotherhood. That's what's special about Wofford. And it starts at the top. Coach Ayers is a man of his word. He 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 owned up to everything he told me as a parent in his recruiting pitch. The school has delivered on the education. The football team has delivered on what they said we would do on the field. We got what Wofford promised us. So I would leave you with that, that I didn't get lied to by Wofford. We knew what we were getting into. We knew it was a sacrifice for RJ as a receiver in this offense. We did know. And we hope that there will be more opportunities. Yes. <laughs> Selfishly, yes. And we look for more coming. That being said, we knew exactly what we're getting involved with. And guess what? We're going to have a championship ring sitting on our table that RJ is going to be able to tell his kids and my daughter, his sister, and everyone else about forever from here on to come. And I hope they add a national title beside it. Well, Ross, we want to hear from the short-haired dog. We want to. First of all, tell you thanks for coming on today. Uh, great interview. Another thing we do want to say is, and me and Mike have been noticing it all season and really his entire career, but that entire wide receiving core, and especially RJ, man, those guys can block. And we've seen them, we've seen it so many times this year, throwing those down the field blocks when those, you know, when the, when the backs are good and or Newman spring a, spring a run out there and, um, just convey that to RJ that uh, we're noticing it. While some people may not be, we're noticing those guys out there blocking, and they're doing their part, and they're a big they're a big reason why um, you know the offense has been able to be successful this year. And the reason, like you said before, that we're we're nine and one, we're headed toward the playoffs, and hopefully headed toward a, a national championship. Absolutely, I will definitely do that for sure. Well, we appreciate you coming on with us today. Uh, once again, folks, we've been speaking with Ross Taylor, father of Wofford wide receiver R.J. Taylor. Ross, we appreciate your time, and uh, please come back anytime you can. I, I sure will, and you guys continue uh, putting the voice out there. Keep on pushing the Wofford brand, guys. It's, it's a fantastic program, and everybody needs to hear about it. Thank you so very much for what you all do. All right, and that was the interview with Ross Taylor, father of Walford wide receiver R.J. Taylor. And, Mike, what a good interview that was. Man, it was a good interview. You know, we've seen a lot of things that, that Ross has put up on uh, the Terrier fans message board. And um, you know what great insight he has, what a good job he does um, of knowing what's going on, obviously being the father of R.J. So uh, we wanted to have him on, but, man, uh, that, that exceeded my highest expectations. Uh just what a great guy to talk to. Got able to talk to him off the air, and you know, he just talks about what a what a family that this team is. And you know, speak as as he talks about these players, not just his own son, but all the other players on this team are like family to yeah. Ross. And, and that that just shows you what kind of camaraderie that that the football team has. So yeah, Kevin, I, I mean, anybody that listened to that had to be blown away by 
how great that was. I mean, just a tremendous interview. And we even talked to him. He's he said he wants to be back on for some more, and we're we're gladly gonna. He wants to be a part of this. And, yeah. Uh, I, it's after that interview and speaking with him, it's gonna be hard for me to not to think the same thing. I mean, he's and we've told him any time that he can come back to please do so. So, uh, but yeah, great interview. Yeah, and we've said it before. We really appreciate all the support that we've gotten over our our first four episodes. This now our fifth episode, and and Ross has been one of the he's been one of the mainstays mm-hmm. in supporting us, um, giving us great feedback, sharing our stuff on all of our social media. So not only do we appreciate that, but also coming on for this great yeah. interview, and we appreciate everyone that's been liking and sharing our page, also um, you know giving us feedback. We've got a couple people that have called in, give us some feedback. We've tried to tweak it. We know you know we're just starting out here with this particular podcast, so we're we're trying to get what people want to hear um so we're, we're still working on it and mike i feel like i feel like we're headed in the right direction if we get more great interviews like that i can't wait to see the heights that that this podcast can reach oh, oh absolutely and you know we once again we want to thank ross for coming on and he didn't have to do this no you know he didn't have to take time out of his schedule to do this but he did and you know kevin talking about liking and sharing um our page and our posts and things like that we talked about Walford being the best kept secret you know in town the more you like and share our page, the more we're getting the word out of what a truly a special place Wofford is. Yeah. And um, special people like that, like RJ and his dad, Ross, who was, I mean, we, me, Ross and I spoke off the air about this. Literally, if this team, if Wofford was like an FBS team, let's say they were an SEC team, literally, they could do SEC specials on the SEC network about literally half the team. Yeah. I mean, these are some special individuals. And, and guys, by getting this word out... It's not about us. It's the reason we did this isn't for, oh, let's see how famous we can get. It's not about our fame or, or anything like that. It's about getting the word out about the best kept secret in town. That's right. the Walford Terriers. Yeah, I mean, and well, that, we've seen no it means. all of our lives. Yeah, I mean, we're not doing this to try to get more Twitter followers or see how many listens we can no. get. We don't care about that. We want people to care about Walford and to recognize Walford because growing up, Whenever we said, "Oh, we're going to the we're going to the Walford game," they're like, oh, "We would literally what? get laughed at." Yeah, are we going to say, "Oh, I'm telling you, Walford's going to hang in there with them"? Like talking about Carolina back in 2012 and stuff. Everybody's like, Pfft. "They were laughing." Yeah. And, I mean, y'all are idiots. Yeah, by, but we stay. We've stuck to our guns, and we've been trying to tell people, Walford's the real deal, and not only in football, basketball as well. Oh yeah, and we've been trying to tell people. Oh yeah, and and all these other sports are on the come up too. Yeah, I mean, you you look at volleyball. Women's basketball, they're only going to get better. You play yeah. in a place like that, you're going to get better. Yeah. I guarantee you're going to get some good recruits. So, so that's the, the reason why we're doing this is not because we want our we don't want to walk up into the stadium and be like, oh, those are those podcast guys. Like that'd be cool, but we don't. That ain't no, what we're trying I mean, to do. Who cares? Like, yeah, nobody cares. We want people to care about Walford Athletics in general. We want them to get the love that they deserve because yeah. Mike, like you said. They're the best kept secret around. Absolutely, they're a nine and one championship team in the upstate of South Carolina. Who you've never heard of? Who you've never heard yeah. of? And and have. and to, and and even other than the Herald Journal, yeah, which, which they do a good job. But other than that, you don't hear nothing they get about no it. It's, love. Just, it's it's brutal. So that's why we're bringing it out. You know, the media's not going to do it. We're going to have to do it kind of, you know, unconventional. But yeah. but we're we're doing it nonetheless. Yeah. So. Guys, we appreciate it. Just, you know, you guys supporting us and all that you have. We, it really means a lot to us. Well, Mike, i tell you what we need to do. Right before we sign off, let's give a quick key to the game for the South Carolina game. We'll do it real quick, and then we'll sign off here for Episode 5. So I'll let you go ahead and get it started. What's your one biggest key to the game this Saturday between the Terriers and the South Carolina game? The keys for Walford or for South Carolina? The key, let's say the keys to a win. Okay. So, the keys to the win for for Wofford has to be to keep it close in the early, you know, lick your wounds, if you will. That's going to be what I'm going to call this this first point. Okay. You can't if if big plays happen, you can't let it get you down. You got to keep playing, keep playing, and force one of these situations like we've had all year to play one of these last minute games against an SEC team in South Carolina. That has you can't let the big plays get you because South Carolina is going to get some big plays. Yeah. Let's just face it. Um, that's key number one. Key number two, make South Carolina drive the field. You can't you can't allow these big plays. 
Not, I mean, one or two is okay, but it can't be every other play they're gashing you for big plays. I, they've got to stop the run, and they've got to make them dink and dunk. And maybe, you know, Bentley's going to throw us at least one. Yeah. I, I'm going to call it right now. Bentley's going to call it, at, throw us at least once, to throw it to us at least once. So that leads me into my third point. We got to make them pay. If you get the ball deep in South Carolina territory, there can't be these field goals. And a field goal would be better than going for it on fourth down and not getting it. We can't do that. If it's fourth down and we're not, and you know, we're not almost positive we're going to get it, you've got to kick that field goal. Yeah. Every every point in one of these games is going to matter. But once again, those are my three keys to a Walford victory: um, lick your wounds, make them drive the field, and make them pay. If 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 they if they make a mistake, you've got to make the Gamecocks pay. Um, and the key to that, if key to making them drive the field is Stopping the run, you know, make, making good tackles out in open field. And that's something we've done all year this year. Uh, I know a lot of teams have kind of taken advantage of our pass defense a little bit. But, you know, I think a lot of that um, has to do with our – we're just not getting to them quite in time. But the thing about it is, if you look at the teams that have gashed us, Kevin, it's all teams that are familiar with us or coaching staffs that are familiar with the 50 front. I'm sure South Carolina's not seen a 50 front or a 50 defense all year. So that goes to show you that, you know, it may not come out as quickly. Um, I know they'll have faster guys to get open a little faster, so I know that may sort of be taken away. But we might get to these guys. I can't tell you the amount of times Hodges for Sanford went back to pass, and we were just this close to sacking him. Yeah. So so maybe we're able to do that with Jake Bentley, and, and that's my keys to the game. Well, I should not have let you go first because you took all of mine. So I'm not going to reiterate. So is that going to do all? Is I, that going to be all of them? That's it. I, I was going to say I was going to say make them pay. Yeah, we have to get points. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say stop the run. So I mean, right. you pretty much you pretty much did exactly. Hey, we're in sync here. We we're are. In sync. We're we're a dynamic duo. We are. You know. You got it. <clears throat> oh. Mm. Goodness. <laughs> Sorry about that. I guess I've been yelling at ref too much. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Is that still carry over from the Sanford game? It may be. We were yelling pretty hard that day. <laughs> what a sorry bunch of refs that was. And, and, I, and I hate, like I've said before, I usually don't blame it on the refs, but uh, that one loss that the Terriers have this season, you can you can credit that to the, to the Zebras. I, I don't think anybody can argue that. And granted, Kevin, that game should have never been in that situation. No. no. And when we, I know you fumbled the ball six or seven times. I get that. I mean, of course we helped ourselves out. But those, those penalties just happened at the worst possible times. And that cost us, ended up, in turn, causing us the game. But, but you know what? That doesn't matter now. We're no. still SoCon Champs. SoCon Champs, 2017. I mean, I'm just so happy. Hey. Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. You know, which, <laughs> as we talked about last week, could, did you think Ayers could top, you know. I'm waiting for a waza. <laughs> I mean, do, you think, <laughs> do you think he could top, you know, what we spoke about last week and Ayers topped it? He topped it. No, no question it. about it. Whoop, there it is. It's now like, you know what? And we brought it. We brought it. We brought in this episode, Whoop, there it is. And you're going to hear one of the other songs has kind of been one of the Walford things this year, but. It seems to me, no matter how old Coach Ayers is, no matter what he says, the players buy into that. They were and literally he gets going them so crazy. fired up. Yeah. And you know, it just it just goes to show you what what kind of connection they've got going on at Wofford. The best kept secret in town. I think it we is. need to title that this that, that this episode that. All right, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> Take us out, Mike. Once again, we want to thank uh, Mr. Ross Taylor for coming on and and doing that interview with us. Thank you guys for listening to episode five of the Short Haired Dog. Once again, the Terriers are going to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock down in Williams-Brice Stadium. That will be on SEC Network Alternate, so you can find that on your TV guides. You can follow our page at uh, on Twitter at Shorthaired Dog. You can also follow us on SoundCloud at the Shorthaired Dog Podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook at the Shorthaired Dog and on the Apple Podcast app. For you iPhone listener, users and listeners, this may be a better option than SoundCloud or any of the other uh, options that you have. Go on to the Apple Podcast app. You can type in, go search the short-haired dog. It will be the first one. Like I said, we'll be the only one other than Caesar the Dog Trainer, so you'll be able to find us. <laughs> Make sure you, you subscribe to our page. That way, as soon as you wake up, Kevin, these yep. people can, can wake up and they can hear a fully downloaded episode of the Short-Haired Dog to start off their week and start off their game day preparation as the Gamecocks 
better get ready because you're going to be in for a dog fight. There we go. So, once again, Terriers now 9-1, 2017 SoCon Champions. We appreciate you listening to Episode 5 of the Short Hair Dog. Well, there it is. I'm on him now.